would like to say good evening to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield Michigan branch. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States Canada and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan branch was established in the year 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan branch is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Yule. And the vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the father, the word or son and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the heavenly father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is the title. But unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither Hebrew, Greek, nor Latin languages had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. 
we have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super and corporal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the school is as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons 
operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Carolyn Russell from our Oakland, California branch, followed by scripture, which will be Titus, the second chapter, read by Dr. Lauren Lewis. Um, may we all bar our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, through your glorious son, Yahshua the Messiah, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to come again to share that which we have learned, know, and to understand more about your purpose, your pattern, and your plan. Give us what we need in these last days. We thank you for all of this and everything that you've done for us, for bringing us into this teaching. All these blessings we ask in the name of your only begotten son, Yahshua the Messiah, which we all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to say good evening to the class. Mm -hmm. And I'll be reading out of the King James Version, substituting the true name where appropriate. Displayed on your screen is the Holy Name Bible containing the Old and New Testament critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by the late A.B. Trainer and the Scripture Research Association, reprinted by Yahshua Promotions. That is Titus, the second chapter. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, the age woman likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands that the word of Yahweh be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded in all things showing thyselves a pattern of good things in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not for long, but showing all good fidelity, excuse me, prolonging 
but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of Yahweh and our Savior, Yahshua, in all things. For the grace of Yahweh that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying unholiness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and holy in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great Yahweh and our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. That is Titus, the second chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Russell, for that beautiful prayer, and Dr. Lauren Lewis for a reading of the scripture, which is Titus, the second chapter. We want to once again welcome everyone out, and thank you for joining us tonight on this class night. Today is actually Green Chart Day, um, but we'll have a special guest, um, which will be Dr. Gary Meyer from our New York branch. But before we begin, I would like to remind everyone to please keep your cell phone, I'm sorry, please keep your video turned off and your, and your sound muted unless you're called on to speak. We will be asking for volunteers to read. So if Yahweh puts it on your heart to do so, please feel free. And now without further ado, we'll have Dr. Gary Meyer, which is um, going to present on the green chart. And Dr. Meyer, I think this topic of discussion is marriage. Good evening, everyone. It certainly is a privilege and a pleasure. Anytime I can um, express the things that Yeshua has shown to me, we uh, have been going through the uh, pamphlet um, what's the name of that pamphlet again? Oh, Science Imaging Creator. And I don't know why I didn't have that up, Dr. Mine. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah, going to um, Science Imaging Creator. Mm -hmm. Read the section of marriage out of this pamphlet. Um, the reason I chose that is because um, marriage is important. Um, it's a big part of our lives, a big part of so many people's lives. Um, yet, it's not the reality. In other words, it is a type and shadow of um, the true marriage between Yeshua and this church. Um, so it's a very big, significant part of Yahweh's purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe it's important to point out some of the um, principles of marriage mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully it'll edify everyone who hears and listens. Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a lot of reading from the pamphlet and uh, I'm going to be interjecting from it time to time. Uh, but um, what I also want to do is break down uh, intimacy, what it means. Um, I'm going to see how the principles of the, we're going to try to see how the principles of the first three commandments uh, 
are reflected in marriage and also see how the nine attributes apply to marriage. Uh, so we're going to get into some, all those things. <clears throat> but uh, let's just start right out with um, the beginning of this uh, subject in the pamphlet um, under sociology, um, the true meaning of marriage. So um, hmm. if someone could start reading. That's uh, chapter 14, sociology, section A the true meaning of marriage. The state of being married is an intimate one. It is an intimate union, a oneness. Yahweh formed Adam from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Later, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and took a rib and a womb from the man and formed a woman. When Adam awoke, Yahweh presented him with his bride, Eve. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Ye shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. This was the first physical marriage. So if we can read uh, Genesis 2. Oh, let's get, um, yeah, let's, let's read Genesis 2, 20 through 24. Okay, that's Genesis 2 and 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. For for Adam, there was not found an help meet for him. And Yahweh Elohim caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which Yahweh Elohim had taken from man, from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So this was the first marriage, and we're going to come back more to this, uh, a few points from there. Um, does everybody hear me okay? Yes. Okay, just want to make sure I'm speaking up loud enough. And um, can we get Romans 1, 19 and 20, which I should have started out with? Uh, I just want to make sure I get a little um, basis mm -hmm. here of why uh, physical marriage, what what we can that we can learn spiritual things from physical marriage. All right. All right. So that's Romans one and nineteen, because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. So um, spiritual things can be clearly seen or clearly understood. Um, when I read seen, um, what comes to my mind is with the eye of understanding that we um, can know something about 
our invisible creator um, by the things that are made by these, this physical creation. Marriage is part of this physical creation. Um, so uh, this is the purpose why we can look at marriage and see something spiritual about it. So um, let's go to the second paragraph now here with Yahweh made the woman. Yahweh made the woman to be a helpmate unto man. Okay, let's get the scriptures here. Genesis 2.18. Yahweh made the woman to be a helpmate unto the man. That's Genesis 2 and 18. And Yahweh Elohim said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Good. Um, First Corinthians 11, 9. Okay. That's first Corinthians 11 and nine. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Can you, can you back that up to seven, Felicia? Mm -hmm. Yes. First Corinthians 11 and seven. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is, he is the image and glory of Yahweh. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. So that's kind of interesting to hear that. Um, that the woman was created for the man. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, the spiritual body was created for Yahshua. So um, it's interesting because a lot of times what we say, what we think is we need Yahshua. The body needs Yahshua, which obviously the body does need Yahshua. Um, but when you think of uh, how much the man needs the woman, um, Adam needed a woman. He could not procreate. He was given the commandment uh, to be fruitful and multiply, but he can't do that without a woman. Um, a man needs to have a place to plant his seed. And only the woman um, carries the egg or eggs to do that. Um, so, it only makes sense thinking of it that way and to think that Yahweh in this pure spirit state in his um, state of um, pattern, the pattern that he exists in, um, came out of that state because a woman was uh, desired or needed so he could plant his seed. And then had to go through a, uh, a migration to do that. And that's how mm -hmm. I, you know, again, feel that this topic of marriage is so important to understand. Um, let's go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, Titus 2, 4, and 5. I think we just read that, but we'll get that again. Mm -hmm. That's Titus 2 and 4 that they may teach the young woman to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, 
chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of Yahweh be not blasphemed. So the bride needs to be obedient to Yahshua. But that's why the law is written in our hearts. Because we know that the woman or the bride in the wilderness, the bride that married Yahweh Elohim in the wilderness could not be obedient. And that's because the law was on the outside. It needs to be on the inside so we can be obedient to him. All right, uh, continue to read paragraph two. Yahweh made the woman to be a helpmate unto man. The true state of oneness is reflected when Yahweh created Adam with Eve within him. Mm -hmm. Yahweh is both male and female within himself. That is, Yahweh, being spirit and the source and substance of all things, the all in all. He is the embodiment of both male and female attributes. Everything came out from Yahweh. Therefore, matter is spirit materialized. Likewise, the earth being formed from the spirit has male and female counterparts and characteristics within itself. The virgin mother, earth, was his, Adam's mother, and Yahweh, spirit, was his father. The womb is the female is pearl-shaped. The scientists say that the earth is also slightly pearl-shaped, somewhat pointed at the North Pole and rounded at the South Pole. No wonder the earth is referred to as Mother Earth. The earth is impregnated with the seed, just as the woman is impregnated with seed. Adam and Eve were one embodiment before Yahweh, separated them physically so. For our understanding, it is Yahweh's purpose for us to return to the same state of oneness as evidenced by Eve's being in Adam's body. The assembly or the church is the spirit. Hold on a sec. Um, so I never heard that before that um, the... The earth is pear-shaped, just like the woman's womb is pear-shaped. Uh, it's very interesting because, yes, uh, just like the man's sperm impregnates the woman, the Yahweh had to impregnate the earth. That's why you read how the spirit went across the waters. He was dropping the seed into the earth so vegetation could come out. So it's... Uh, very interesting. And, and to hear how the earth was Adam's mother and the spirit breathed into Adam was the father. Um, I don't know if I ever heard that before either, but that makes sense. I like that. And uh, he has the mother and the, showing the fourth that he has the mother and the father, even though we know Elham is both mother and father as well. But um, I like the principles pointed out there. Um, okay, you can keep reading. The, uh, excuse me, the church is the spiritual bride or body of the Messiah. As Eve was bone and flesh of Adam, so are those in the spiritual church of Yahshua the Messiah. 
They are spiritually bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. We're going to read no. Ephesians a little later um, that, that point out what she's saying there. Go ahead. No physical marriage can attain to the state of being one flesh. This is impossible. The only possible way would have to be spiritual, having one's mind and heart set on heavenly things. This is the only way of peace and happiness. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. As one can readily see, all of the natural or physical things are just types and shadows of the spiritual. For Yahweh, being all wise or wisdom in totality, knew that we could never understand the spiritual invisible without first understanding the physical or visible. Yahweh's whole purpose and plan has revolved around this point to show first the natural and then the spiritual. The first Adam was natural or physical. The second Adam, Yahshua the Messiah, was spiritual. Yeah, if we can read that. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthy, the second man is Yahweh from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they that are, that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Well, this is why we can't say Adam is Joshua. He's from the earth. He's earthy. Joshua is from above, from heaven. So you, you can't say that Adam was, was a vessel of Joshua because that's been taught in this school. I'm sure many have heard that, maybe some haven't. Um, but the other important thing there uh, is that we bear both images. We have borne the image of the earthly, our physical vessel, and we, and we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. In other words, taking on that image of Joshua, our inner man has to take on that image. So, you know, we, we often go to where it says uh, we were made in his image. So we go to the body tabernacle and prove that out, how we are physically. But that's a type and shadow of how we need to be born, uh, born again, but this time spiritually in his image, in the image of Yahshua, our, our husband. And that is part of being intimate with him and why we want to break down that principle of intimacy because um, it points out how we can take on that image of Yahshua and the Messiah. All right, let's go um, to fourth, the next paragraph. The first, Sorry about that. The, first the first Edenic state was natural. The second is spiritual. 
The first Jerusalem was natural. The second is spiritual. David sat on earthly throne in the earthly Jerusalem. Yahshua sits on a heavenly throne in the heavenly Jerusalem. The priesthood under the old covenant was natural. The priesthood in the new covenant is spiritual. This is the love, justice, mercy, wisdom, etc. of Yahweh unto us, his offspring. Oh, how great art thou, O El. So she mentions the attributes there, and mm -hmm. uh, which we, we're going to get into some. But again, uh, that, that points out how we are intimate with him because we take on his attributes. Um, it's also interesting that he, she says our, we are his offspring. Um, I may uh, give a uh, discourse on the birth of the, a child and how that shows forth because she talks about it in here in the pamphlet as well. All that mm -hmm. shows forth the spiritual things as well, the birth of the child. Um, because being his bride or also being his offspring, we can be both because they both are physical examples to show forth the spiritual. And they all have um, right. spiritual um, principles. Um, that are so important to understand his purpose for us. So um, it's interesting she put that in there. All right, um, next chapter there. There are two sides of life, the natural and the spiritual. The entire physical universe reflects spiritual or heavenly things. Okay, so as we've been talking about um, right along, why we read Romans 1, 19 and 20, I'm going to sum up some of the things that's been talked about. Um, she said it was impossible for two physical bodies to be one flesh. Um, so it's only referring to being one with heavenly thoughts. Um, what, what I would say, what, um, we are oneness in spirit. And I, I'm talking about um, a physical husband and wife, um, a true marriage. Um, in order to be a very, a true successful marriage, they need to be one spiritually in a sense that they have uh, similar aspirations, they have similar goals, likes and dislikes, that kind of thing. And of course, um, all the attributes that we're going to go through, but especially love. Um, but love is more of an, than an emotion. It's more to that, more to it than that. But um, the point uh, she's making that for a husband and wife to be one, and that's how it's written, that's how it's said. Um, the husband leaves the mother and father and becomes one with his bride. So they do become one. But in order for mm -hmm. that to be a reality in the physical, they have to have uh, like I said, the same aspirations and whatnot, goals and that kind of thing. Um, so the woman was taken out of the man. So Adam and Eve were a spirit, was this a spirit, represented the spiritual husband and wife, uh, husband and bride. So when the woman was taken out of the man, that's the reality of that. Um, everybody knows the scripture, I believe where it says that we were predestinated from the 
um, foundation of the earth. We were in spirit. We were in pure spirit at one time um, with Yash, Yahweh. We were taken out of that um, condition and placed in these physical vessels. So we were taken out of the man in that sense, put in these physical um, vessels for a reason, for a purpose. And um, that's kind of the reality. And the, the man or the husband leaves the mother and father. So when Adam and Eve was leaving the, um, leaving the garden, um, now we can see both Adam and Eve as the woman, the bride. And mm -hmm. they leave a heavenly state. So they're leaving, in a sense, the, um, the husband, the mother, I mean, leaving the mother and the father, or leaving the husband. Uh, Adam, I'm sorry, it's Adam. When Adam goes with Eve, I, I'm, I'm getting you messed up because I'm putting too, too many things together. When Adam leaves with mm. Eve, it's if he's leaving his mother and his father. He, the husband, leaving to be one with his bride. I'm sorry that I messed that up. Um, and then, so he's, or he's leaving his father in that sense. But then, because the ground was cursed, you'll read that the ground was cursed and uh, now Adam has to work hard to grow his own food. It's if he was separated from the mother or mother earth as well. Um, Ellingham, that super incorporeal man, he left the mother and father in a sense where he left pure spirit mm -hmm. as um, mm -hmm. Yahweh pure spirit took on a shape and a form as Elohim. It's mm -hmm. as if that first man left the state of his mother and father um, and to marry physical Israel, because we see that then down through the ages, dispensations, and he marries spiritual Israel, his first bride. So then that occurred that marriage occurred until it was time for the woman to go back into the man, back into the father's house, in other words. Because remember, when a woman marries a man, it's if he, she now is included into the family's house, the father's house. So when Yahshua marries the bride, the bride now is back into the house of Yahweh, where it left the original first estate. So um, the only way Elohim could end that first marriage with Israel, physical Israel, was for him to um, come down as Yahshua and die for his bride. So it all works according to this pattern, but it was so the spiritual woman, so he could remarry and marry the spiritual woman. So the spiritual woman can become one with the husband back in the father's house. 
Okay. Um, let's get Genesis 2, 18 and 20. Let's read that. I, we might've read some of that already, but I wanna make a point. That's Genesis 2 and 18. And Yahweh Elohim said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. And out of the ground, out of the, excuse me, and out of the ground, Yahweh Elohim formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all, the, all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. That's 20, you want me to keep going? So, and we know what happened after that. Um, but the reason none of these species was a help meet to him, because he could not be one with any of them. There can't, it just wasn't possible. And it wasn't what Adam needed. Um, but unfortunately, man disregarded this and used other species as their helpmate, so to speak. And um, having that kind of physical intimacy with them. And what came out of that recently, at least towards you know, the end times here was uh, HIV and monkeypox both. Monkeypox of course has become pretty prevalent lately. And uh, that's what that came from. So we are now having to deal with that because of the cross of species. But what does that mean? Um, well, first of all, Elohim needed a help me. Eve's sin proved that we were not ready to be his helpmate. Elohim, as Yahshua, had to get rid of sin because of Eve's sin, because we, without Yahshua in us, we just naturally will sin. And that isn't a helpmate to Elohim. So, um, the, so the only way we could be a helpmeet for him is to be cleaned up and have our sin forgiven and wiped away. So if we can get, um, can we get Romans 8.29, please? I think what I was going to um, get into or talk a little bit about with that um, cross of species is um, that's represented by the beast of the field um, intercoursing with the bride. But that beast or the devil and his false doctrine indoctrinating the bride or having intercourse in that sense, um, it's showing forth that. Um, crossing the species, as I said, what caused HIV and monkeypox. Okay, but um, so that's that point. Now this point 
is showing that um, we, as the woman, before Yahshua, we are just not the help meet that um, Elohim needs to be. So here we are, been indoctrinated by false doctrine, by um, Christianity, by all these different religions, and um, as if um, we are just not that help me that Ellingham needs. Um, so yeah, let's get that Romans 8, 29. That's Romans 8 and 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, well, I comment on that. Get Romans 12 and 2. So we are being conformed, conformed to his image. That is the only way we can then be a helpmate for him. So that we might be, um, so that we then can be married to him. So we, we can be that bride that we need to be for him. Um, go ahead and read. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also uh, called. No, do we, you got 12 and two? Yeah, I, I think you keep, you're still reading, but um, yeah, I wanted Romans 12 and two. Oh, sorry. That's okay. It's Romans 12 and two. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Yahweh. So you could see how that is saying a distinction between being conformed to the world or conformed to um, the devil's antics, um, but be transformed by renewing of your mind and uh, being proof that we are good, acceptable, or a helpmate, right, for Yahshua. Now, conform means jointly, jointly formed. So we're jointly formed to the devil to begin with. And we're transformed to be jointly formed to Yahshua. So when you think about joints, you know, you look at your elbows or you look at your shoulder, there's, you know, we're jointly connected, right? So being connected in that way, uh, it only take it has to take Yahshua to unconnect to one and connect to another and be formed in that image. So I hope that all, um, that all makes sense. Um, okay, so now let's go to the next paragraph. Um, when Yahweh created Adam. Okay. When Yahweh created Adam, he made the woman to be a help to him, the man. They had dominion over all the creatures. He was king and she was queen. Satan beguiled the woman. He told her she would not die, but would be as Elohim. Eve was already a queen. 
but through Satan's lie, she lost her first estate by disobedience to Yahweh. They were not to eat of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because of Adam's love for his wife, Eve, Adam also partook of the tree, died in his conscience, and was given, excuse me, and was driven out of the garden of Eden to toll for a living. This is likened unto a natural marriage when one partner is beguiled by a satanic spirit and is enticed to go after another. They creeped around in the dark, hoping no one would discover them, promising each other great things. I'll make you a king. I'll make you a queen. While you are already that, providing you are the right kind of person, it is possible for you to be deceived and lose all if you are not conscious of what you are. Every husband or wife is king and queen in their own household. Satan's job is to divine. The word sex means to divine. Sex also comes from the Latin word meaning six. Satan's domain is in the physical which has a six pronounced upon it. Satan is the author of conflicts. He tells us to love one another and then turns around and stirs up strife. There is a definite reason for unfaithfulness in marriage. It all reflects the workings of the devil. So you see what she did there? She talked about how you can go back there so we can... Look at that a little bit. So she was um, saying how that we are, that, that Eve was in a sense already a queen. And um, that's represented with any wife of a household is queen of that household. But mm -hmm. when there's someone out there who tries to entice her and charm her, and saying, you can be more than what you are. You, you can be a real queen. And that's what um, the, Satan did with Eve. Eve was already that queen, but he convinced her that she can be something more. You can be a god. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, that's her point there, how we can flip that into a typical thing that can happen in a real marriage. But again, the purpose is to see this spiritually. And um, a lot of times it's kind of easier to see it when if we have experienced a uh, wind of doctrine that came through the class and that can be looked at in a lot of different ways as if some man came in, some charming man who charmed some of the woman away of the bride and um, make them feel like they can be more than what they were going to be, make them think that they can be something better or something special, that he's got something special. And that, that is a, uh, a characteristic of a narcissist. Um, they will promise big things and then um, provide nothing in the end. Uh, but that's the whole point here is that, and, and, and you can see that with, with physical Israel as well. They always went to false gods. 
uh, and they provided nothing because there was no God there. It was just a figurative of their imagination. Did that God um, give them protection? Did that God give them um, a roof over their heads, food, or clothing? That's what Yahshua promised. You know, um, I'm not sure where we're going to be review it in this discourse, but uh, there was a there was vows taken at the Mount Sinai. Um, he would provide them with protection, with clothing, with food, with uh, shelter, everything they needed. What did they need to do? Obey the law. So what's the vow now? The vow from Yahweh is really the same thing. The vow from Yahshua. But spiritually, protect us from the devil. Clothe us, feed us and um, shelter us. And our only vow to him is that we believe, that we believe what he says, that we believe that he will do it. But it isn't a jump of faith into that. It, it's faith according to witnesses, according to evidence. Right. And, and um, that is how we believe so if we it's accepting um, the truth of these of the evidence and be given a, a spiritual understanding uh, but you know this isn't a path i wanted to go down but we we need to understand that that comes with yashua's help as well um, we can't go around pointing at you know our fingers. You just didn't believe. You just didn't believe. Well, we're lucky that we believe because we were just predestined to, and um, it wasn't anything we can boast about. It is not. All right. Um, so I think what we want to do then is go to. Oh, okay. Um, so he talked, she talked about, um, it's okay, you can go, you can go there if you want, but she did talk about how sex equals six. I don't know if I ever heard that before either. Um, but six, of course, equals the flesh um, or the purpose to please the flesh. And when you want to, in most, uh, in a lot of cases, is, you know, with this is if you go out to please flesh, then, um, you're going to divide the marriage. So that's why she's kind of putting the six and the sex together there. Because um, if you have sex outside of marriage, that will divide the marriage. <clears throat> and it's for the pleasure of the flesh that you do that. So um, it, she's putting those things together. And it, that unfaithfulness is always happens when sneaking around at nighttime or whatever when no one's looking. And uh, that's because it's dark and we're in darkness when that happens. And um, that's how, how the devil operates, always in darkness. He's a creature of the night. Okay, if we can go on and read the next paragraph, please. Yahweh had a bride, physical Israel. He called Moses, his servant, to go down into Egypt where Pharaoh had Israel in bondage. 
He delivered Israel out of Egypt and took her into the wilderness and married her. He gave her commandments and services to keep. He promised her his love in return for hers, which was based on faithfulness. He gave her food, clothing, and shelter. She broke every ordinance that he gave her. She went a whoring after other Elohim's idols, lovers. Okay, so it's got a lot of chap um, verses there um, that I would you know, encourage you to read on your own if you can. What, Exodus 3 through 40, that's a lot of chapters. Jeremiah, second chapter, Ezekiel 16. Uh, Ezekiel 16, I'd really encourage you to read it if you don't know it or reread it. Um, very good chapter in how he describes hers. Um, some, somebody that he really decked out as a bride and she, she went and used that and cheated on him. Um, and then Hosea, uh, second chapter. But um, yeah, try to get those on your own if you can. Uh, let's keep reading there. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because of this, Yahweh divorced physical Israel. Yes, when Yahweh there's some more verses there um, where, where it's um, confirms what she's saying about divorcing Israel. Isaiah 51, Jeremiah 3, 8 through 11, and Matthew 19, 8 to 9. Um, maybe read those on your own too if you could. Uh, I want to keep going here though. Thanks. When Yahweh called Moses up into the mount, the children of Israel thought Moses would not return as he was gone so long. They persuaded Aaron to make them a golden calf to worship. So they got, she's got the verses there too, but I, I think all of us are very familiar with that. Um, so let's keep going. They committed adultery. Now in this age of grace, we are married to Yahshua, the Messiah. We are to honor, serve, love, and obey our husband and to seek with all our hearts to please our husband who gave his life for us. Spiritual Israel is faithful to her husband. Yahshua died for the world just as Adam died for his bride, but the whole world worships another, the beast. Mm -hmm. Satan is the one in the pulpit on TV, radio, etc telling Yahshua's bride that Yahshua lied and he did not fulfill all the carnal ordinances and nail them to his cross. He says, take, he says, take and eat as Satan did Eve. He says, Yahshua left and did not return. He will later. So mm -hmm. she plays the harlot. She partakes of physical things as a means of worshiping Yahweh, who is spirit and must be worshiped in spirit and in truth. Now, this is what Proverbs, the seventh chapter is speaking of. It, and it is also reflected by our actions, by where our mind is in turmoil or unrest, dissatisfied, seeking to please ourselves by our unholy deeds, casting others down, putting stumbling blocks before our brother, whom Yahshua died for because of our desires of the flesh. Let mm -hmm. us have the mind of the Messiah who pleased not himself. Let us deny ourselves taking up our cross and following him. 
That's a lot of um, very good spiritual advice there. And, um, and it, you know, if you just sum it up, it's, it's, a, it's a cardinal mind who always tries to get ahead and it, with the ex on the expense of someone else. And that's not the, um, the spirit of Yahshua that is not taking on his image. He put the bride first before himself um, and always put Yahweh's will first before himself. And that is, that is how we get ahead. Um, but we do spiritually so. And, um, but it's, uh, it's one of those things. And I, 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 I catch myself saying that, and it's not about works. But um, it's just something we need to keep in mind and stay focused on that if we find ourselves um, putting ourselves before others at their expense, um, are, are we, uh, you know, what spirit are we following? I, I'll just say it that way. Um, okay, go ahead, keep reading. We have, <clears throat> Excuse me. We have a disease, a wandering spirit, and we don't know what it is ailing us. We wander from mate to mate, seeking fulfillment, not realizing that the flesh is never satisfied, neither can it be. Marriageable, marriage, excuse me, is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, Yahweh will judge. Let your conversation be without covetedness and be content with that what you have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Fidelity. Yeah, so showing how Satan opposes what Yahweh wants from his brides, both, both ages. And we just need to put on the mind of Yahshua to solve this. Um, it's part of being intimate with him and taking on his attributes. Um, go ahead and keep reading. Excuse me. Fidelity, not as an expression of obligation, but as an element of love is necessary to a successful marriage. Sex and parenthood both can enrich marriage. However, neither is capable of sustaining marriage. Love alone gives meaning and in the word validity to marriage and guarantees its integrity. The, re the requisite love is other person-centered, giving and renouncing for the sake of well-being of the beloved, rather than in expectation of return. Such love dissolves differences and barriers. Marriage is endowed with spiritual significance when each partner is enabled by love to transcend his own self-centeredness and identity, excuse me, and identify himself with the well-being and the concerns of the other. In this was manifested the love of Yahweh toward us because that Yahweh sent his only begotten son into the world that he might live through him, that we, excuse me, might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved Yahweh, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, 
if Yahweh so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That was First John 4, 9 through 11. Mm -hmm. um, go ahead and continue. Forgiving love is a creative force within marriage, deriving its nature from the experience of Yahshua's forgiving love. It will act as mercy, forgiving when there seems to be no adequate reason to forgive, and as grace, freely given with no promises demanded. It is creative love, suffering to achieve a high spiritual end. More than love is the, the sense that marriage is a divine order, which is binding. Fidelity truly exists when the feeling of love is absorbed into one's personal will. Commitment is twofold, to the beloved and to the divine will. In this solubility is the principle upon which one is free to commit himself unreservedly to the marriage, to share and to venture all with confidence of fulfillment. The love of Yahshua for his church is the highest standard. Well, that's uh, mm -hmm. Ephesians 5.22, if we could get that, please. But she mm -hmm. talks about how um, love, fidelity truly exists when the feeling of love is absorbed into one's personal will. So it, again, it's, it, that's part of intimacy as well. We have to absorb um, the attributes of Yahshua. Um, that's why when we, we talk about food for thought or we talk about um, eating spiritual food, uh, eating physical food is a reflection of that because um, uh, the nutrition from that food has to be absorbed into the body for mm -hmm. it to be any good. So Yahshua, Yahshua's attributes have to be absorbed into our inner man. It's not something that's floating around outside of us in our conscious or in our um, you know, the personality part of us, because that's what we've seen with individuals who we thought was certainly part of the body who now have left. Um, they looked as if they had uh, had those attributes, but they, um, they left because mm -hmm. they weren't absorbed. They were just on the surface, um, to say it that way. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Let's go to Ephesians 5.22. Mm -hmm. That's Ephesians 5 and 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto Yahweh. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Yahshua is the head of the assembly. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the assembly is subject unto Yahshua, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Joshua also loved the assembly and gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious assembly, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. 
he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as Yahshua loved the assembly. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Yahshua and the assembly. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I um, especially like there, one twenty six, where it says that he might sanctify and cleanse it mm-hmm. with the washing of water by the word. Mm-hmm. So you know where it's written, where it says that we are as dirty rags. Mm-hmm. So we need to be cleansed. We need to be washed. Now that dirty rag is it's really a reference to the what woman had at that time what a woman needed to use during their um, period mm-hmm. and it absorbs the blood the blood that was secreted from the woman now life is in the blood mm-hmm. but only when it's within the body not outside of the body it says dead blood <laughs> so and what's it's showing forth is um, giving up another um, egg that never was fertilized um, towards a dead egg. And uh, again, that's what we were like before Yahshua, um, the devil promising to be a husband, a devil promising um, to give us fruit through, through his doctrine or his sperm, in other words, but we just never got fertilized. We never um, were given any kind of life from him. It's like getting life and light from the moon. You know, it's, it, it can cast a shadow, but it does not give you life. And it's not true light. It's just a reflection of light. Well, if that makes any sense. Um, go ahead and get, uh, go ahead and keep reading there. Who is this that cometh, excuse me, up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? I raised thee up under the apple tree. There thy mother brought thee forth. There she brought thee forth that bare thee. Set me as a seal upon thy heart, as a seal upon thy arm. For love is strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are coals of fire which hath a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. If a man will give all the substance of his house for love, it will be utterly content. So this is the Song of Solomon 8, 5 through 7. And if anybody read the Song of Solomon, um, it, it really is the expression of Yahweh's love for his bride. <clears throat> But uh, giving all the substance of his house for love. It's such an interesting um, concept um, that should be looked into a little bit more. But I think I got to let it go with that. But I, uh, it's, I really enjoy um, 
the Song of Solomon. I don't take much time to read it, but um, just after getting into this marriage more, I just might go back to that a little bit more. All right, let's go to the next paragraph there. <clears throat> Truly love is stronger than death because of love. Yahshua suffered and died and resurrected from the grave and closed us with his almighty spirit, excuse me. He poured his love into our hearts by his mercy and grace. We live in his light forever. We in him and he in us in a perfect union. This okay. is a perfect. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. This is a perfect marriage on earth. This is a perfect marriage on earth. We in him, he in us. It's a perfect union. Um, so it does definitely takes love to be faithful. Um, you know, love practices selflessness instead of selfishness. And um, it's a love, love for the brethren is, uh, is what is needed to know whether we have the Holy Spirit. That's how it's said. So that's a reflection in a marriage as well. Now, how do we know that we love the brethren? What exactly is love? What exactly is the brethren? Um, I'm just going to give an example um, that might help a little bit with that. But everybody might have a different perspective. If we can remember when we first came into class, we were so excited to hear something new here every time we came in. And um, we got, after a while, um, if someone knew a new person came in and we're all excited to hear something new, then we knew, with that new person, we knew that, well, we're just gonna go to the basics. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'd get upset. We'd say, like, oh, I wanted, to, I wanted to get fed something more and now I'm gonna hear this. And we kind of disregard the needs of the new person. At least that's my perspective, but I think I've heard others say the same. And um, so there's a transformation after a while that when a new person comes in, now we get excited about the new person. And we want to, we're excited to feed that new person. In other words, now it's about the needs of him and that is a, an attribute of love for the brethren um our desire our immediate just natural desire to want to feed the brethren even if it may um cause us to put aside our own needs uh, i've seen um times like at a um, um convention or such as that, where uh, a speaker knew there was a new person there, but would get into his own thing anyways. That's kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to say. Um, when we, we can get very excited about wanting to share with the class something that we learned, and because there's someone new, we have to put it aside. Right. Um, that's an attribute of love for the brethren. Um, but it can't not always that easy. Um, if you can imagine um, standing side by 
you know, standing one-on-one -on -one in conversation with, uh, you know, a higher up, uh, uh, a dean that, um, you know, has a lot of knowledge and you're talking with this dean and he's sharing something with you and you're all excited and, and all of a sudden someone pulls on your shirt. Um, can, can you answer something? Can you help me with this thing? And this person you never really liked, personality, you didn't like that person. I'm just trying to give you a scenario. And this mm -hmm. person just wants you to answer a couple questions. That means that you have to break away from hearing from this other, you know, this dean. It can come to that. Who, what are you going to do? Are you going to push aside your need of hearing that dean, or are you going to give that person a need of understanding something spiritual? Loving the brethren doesn't mean we like the brethren. It doesn't mean that we have to like the brethren. Loving the brethren is completely different because we all here in these physical vessels, we um, may not like each other's personalities. Right. Um, having that love to want to feed them despite uh, their um, limitations or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about. So we have to flip that into a marriage because the physical marriage is somewhat the same thing. We need to push aside or put aside our needs for the needs of our spouse. And that could mean even at times when we feel our needs are much more important. Um, so it, it all comes to being able to discern what's important. Mm -hmm. and, um, discernment is a big, big part of all this. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in. Um, it takes love to forgive is what was talked about. And then um, the pamphlet says commitment to, is to both the beloved and the divine will. And that, and that, of course, makes the marriage more successful if you mm -hmm. understand Yahweh's will. Um, it helps you to uh, <clears throat> cause the physical marriage to be more rich and to be able to uh, to express the attributes in that marriage and be able to um, hold on to it and keep it strong. So the, the love has to be both about the other person and the love has to be about Yahweh's will. And that it's his will that may be... Um, causing the path that you're on in that marriage. So being unfaithful in the marriage uh, doesn't necessarily mean you don't have the Holy Spirit or the other way around. Being faithful doesn't mean you have the Holy Spirit. This is a physical marriage. But either case, it has to show us something spiritual. Because um, Yahshua's marriage is really the only perfect marriage. If you see a physical perfect marriage that you would call, it's because Yahweh made it that way to give us an expression of what a physical, uh, spiritual marriage really is. Okay, um, let's go on to the next one, next paragraph. 
In order, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to be married to Yahshua, one must forsake the world. There must be a divorce from Satan. Satan is a polygamist and a fornicator. He has many wives and runs around with anyone he can seduce many doctrines, sects, and creeds. Yahshua is faithful to one wife, the church. He never steps out of her, steps out on her or she on him. Yahshua worked and provided for his family. Satan puts his wife out to work to support him. He ladens her with heavy burdens for work of righteousness, which Yahshua fulfilled. Unless one divorces himself from Satan's bondage, he'll forever be in torment, discontent, and unhappiness. Satan does not love. He lusts after everything he sees. He'll lie, steal, and murder to obtain his end. He's a taker, not a giver. His yoke is heavy. You always be in want, nakedness, and hunger. Yahshua says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lonely in heart, lowly in heart, excuse me, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In an epistle to Titus, the Apostle Paul speaks thusly concerning marriage. Okay, so we read this. Um, that was the um, scripture reading. Um, it certainly does have a mouthful, and it certainly can be looked at both physically and spiritually. Um, I see that our time is going pretty fast. We're going to go on to the next paragraph, I believe. Um, well, what I want to get is actually... Um, well, we get to Exodus 22, 4, 17. I want to um, review um, the first three commandments and how they reflect in the marriage. <clears throat> the principles behind it, not, there's no written law anymore um, that we have to adhere to, but um, it's interesting how there's principles behind each commandment. And I just want to go through the first three we could. I'm sorry, what, what chapter did you say? Uh, Exodus 20 and 2. Okay. Exodus 20 and 2. I am Yahweh thy Elohim, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. Okay, so obviously as a spiritual bride, we shouldn't have uh, any other elves or fake elves. Um, we shouldn't believe or preach any other doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. But there is also not any place of trust or honor in ourselves or others. Our trust and honor should be in Yahshua because that's still um, having, as it were, another elf in front of us, or another mm -hmm. God in front of us if we're depending mm -hmm. on ourselves, making ourselves a God. Or someone mm -hmm. else, see, and that's what's going on in the world. And um, we have to um, focus on that many times because we can um, drift into that. Gosh, you know, the devil trying to get us to depend on ourselves. Um, now, physically, in our physical marriage, 
a bride, of course, shouldn't have any other man in their life or vice versa. That's like having another God before them. Okay. All right. Uh, go ahead and read. Fourth verse. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So spiritually, we're not to make Yahweh or our Savior Yahshua out to be someone they are not or something they are not. Uh, physically sitting on a throne above the sun, moon, stars, you know, um, having images of Yahshua or Jesus and our, our pictures of him in our bedrooms or our rooms or whatever, and um, that kind of thing, these images. If you have an image of the Holy Spirit, then it's already wrong, okay? <laughs> so um, it's just cut and dry. Um, in a real marriage, the bride shouldn't make her husband out to be something that he isn't. Husband shouldn't make the wife out to be anything, something different than she is. Uh, mm -hmm. Simple as that. Um, really don't have to get into that so much, but that's basically mm -hmm. what that means. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead with the third one. Fifth verse, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, Yahweh thy Elohim, am a jealous Elohim, visiting the iniquity of the father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take... Mm -hmm. Thank you. That, yeah, that just finished up that second. Okay. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was good. Okay, go ahead with the third one. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Oh. Do you want back here in the... No, I'll go with the, th the, the third commandment. Okay. okay. Sorry. Um, seventh verse, thou shalt not take the name of Yahweh thy Elohim in vain. Okay, so Yahweh... Will... I'm sorry, I thought that was it. Go ahead. It's okay, go ahead. So not to take the name of Yahweh in vain. Um, we are very versed in that. We talk about that. We learn about it right away when we come into class. Spiritually, we are not to believe. We use titles or false names when addressing Yahweh, Elohim, or Yahshua. Addressing the Savior with a false name is not only disregarding the Savior, but the Father and his house as well. Um, so the end of this, doing this would be just a tossing out of his, of the house, you know, like the tossing out of the marriage or out of that marriage feast, that parable, and the person is just sitting in the, in the street, um, weeping and gnashing their teeth, and that's how it would be like. Um, but in the real marriage, uh, the bride... I mean, I think you see it more that the bride is not taking the husband's name or not taking, or maybe including it with her name, um, but not taking the husband's name, not that I'm saying that's wrong or whatever, you know, physically so, but it does show something spiritually that you're not, you're disregarding um, the husband's name um, and the house that he comes from. And um but when they, when a bride goes on with the marriage, I mean, they, he, she should not be doing anything to, uh, to hurt the name that she's married to, or 
because it, it, there's a legacy that needs to be um, brought down with that name, with the, with the, the name from that house. And um, she should carry that legacy down and not, um, and not uh, disdain it in any way. So if that makes any sense, I hope that makes some sense. All right, so let's now go on uh, to read the rest. Where are we at? Okay, chapter six. Paul's beginning with Paul is instructing. Okay, go ahead. Paul is instructing them in conduct and behavior as becoming sons of Yahweh. So this this is her. Maybe we should add read this, but this is her talking about Titus second chapter. Uh, Paul is instructing them in conduct and behavior. Go ahead. Paul is instructing them in conduct and behavior as becoming sons of Yahweh. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Okay, I'm going to uh, move on. Uh... With this, she talks about how it was at the end um, of that age with um, Genesis 6 chapter, um, if you'd like to read it on your own, but um, there was giants in the earth, there was mighty men, men of renown. Um, what that means is they were famous men, they were famous, they were glorious, people were attributing to them, so on and so forth, idolizing them. Um, this is who they were serving. Okay, not Yahweh. This is what makes you evil. This is a uh, uh, word talks about uh, man's the thoughts of men's hearts are evil continually because there is no room for Yahweh in their hearts. And it was all about um, uh, honoring and worshiping themselves or others. And uh, so they were very self-serving and just very unappreciative of the creator. And this is how things are starting to look at the end of this age as well. Mm. All right. Um, so what I want you to do, um, we don't, I don't know if I'm going to get to everything as far as um, the attributes and the marriage being intimate state, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get to what we can. Can you get um, up on the screen? Um, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, uh, the, the website, um, and get the word intimate. Is that a possibility? Mm -hmm. Or at least, at least read the definition of intimate. Mm -hmm. Merriam-Webster Dictionary, you wanna put it on the screen in a second. And you want intimate? Yeah. She started out in the um, pamphlet that marriage is intimate. Mm -hmm. And um, so what exactly does that mean? Mm -hmm. Intimate, marked by warm friendship developing through long association, suggesting informal, informal warmth or privacy, engaged in, involving, or marked by sex or sexual relations. 
Okay, keep going down. Of a very personal or private nature, marked by very close association, contact, or familiarity, belonging and centric, essential, belonging to or characterizing one's deepest nature. So the one says, I'll go back up again. The one says, of a very personal or private nature. Mm-hmm. And then another one, belonging to or characterizing one's deepest nature. Mm-hmm. So let's get the definition of nature. Now, you know, if we're familiar, we know that we need to take on the nature of Yahshua. That's right. Nature, the external world in its entirety, natural scenery, disposition, okay. temperament. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Go ahead. Next one. Disposition, temperament, temperament, the inherent character or basic constitution. So, personal thing. I'm sorry. So, the inherent, the inherent character of a person or thing. Mm -hmm. Inherit. Are we inheriting something? We're we're inheriting the kingdom. We are inheriting his character. When Mm -hmm. when we think of inheriting a kingdom, we automatically naturally think we're inheriting a place, a bold, we're in a, a, a bold. And when we think of inheriting a character, now that's kind of a different thing in a sense. Mm-hmm. Inheriting our creator's uh, attributes, his, 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 his glory, his, his um, <clears throat> His purity, his brightness, mm-hmm. everything, anything that you can describe about Joshua, mm-hmm. that's what we're inheriting, his nature. That's what intimate, that's, that's when we get married to him, that intimate, that intimacy is inheriting his nature. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it says essence there. So let's get the definition of essence. Mm -hmm. Essence, the the permanent as contrasted with the accidental element of being. The individual, real or ultimate nature of a thing, especially as opposed to its existence. All these are good. Let's just go right to two. Okay. The most significant element, quality, or aspect of a thing or person. The most significant element. We're inheriting the most significant element or quality or aspect of the thing. Mm -hmm. What I found what was pretty interesting about this. Now, I need you to get a Strong's definition. Now, I like using Blue Letter letter Bible. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know which one you like to use. But I want you to get um, Hebrews 11.1. So you do you know how to get to that? Write the quick name. Oh, okay. Do it that way. It might work. Very good. Okay. So now, um, do you know how to get to the, uh, the, 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 the definition of, of these words? Go all the way to the left, right on, no, yeah. 
Um, I don't think that's what I want. Go. This is another way of doing it. Go up to. Um, I'm not seeing it. I need. I don't know why I'm not seeing it. Paragraph. Oh, Strong's down right underneath Hebrews. There you go. All right. Now click on the word for substance. G5, 5287. That's a Greek 5287. Thank you. All right. Now what we're going to do, I think what we need is um, the etymology. So let me see. So go up. To G20, the etymology right there, root word. Um, there you go, right there. English of, by, under, with, in, not. Mm. You know what PR stands for, miscellaneous. Mm. I'm not finding what I'm looking for. Gosh, I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. Um, what I found was it was concretely essence is mm -hmm. what the substance meant. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I should have had it more in front of me, but that's okay. Um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll keep looking for that. But um, it, it was talking about how substance is concretely essence. And we just write about what essence is the most significant element. And um, I don't think we have time, but uh, there's a couple um, um, transcripts that we're going to look at. And one talked about, uh, Dr. Kinley talked about how um, Yahweh is substance. Um, we say it all the time. It's um, source and substance. And he says essence as well. And he also talks about how concrete is 10. And... Um, and abstract is five. In other words, uh, can you bring up the um, second plate of the 40 plate chart? It, talk, it, it shows the heart with the attributes within it. And in the class, he says that, okay, you have nine attributes and then he draws a circle around it and calls it 10. What's mm -hmm. the 10? The 10 is the body of Yahshua, the Messiah. It makes it concrete. It makes it uh, complete. Um, the definition of concrete is formed by coalition of particles into one solid mass. In other words, he's correlating the body with uh, his attributes. You know, if you think of some, you know, when you think of concrete, you think of a cement sidewalk, right? And a cement sidewalk is what? It, or a, a concrete sidewalk is uh, a combination of cement, water, and sand. You put the three together and you got uh, your concrete. But um, if, when they're not together, um, it doesn't form anything. It's without form. But when you put it together, then you've got form. You've got something that's usable, that's functional. So um, that I think is the point he was trying to make. How well, that Yahweh isn't complete without his bride, without um, the body, in a sense. That's what makes, in a way, it's the same thing with a man. And a man, in a, in a sense, is naturally not complete without a woman to be in his wife, 
to be in his life, to be um, part of his life, to carry on his legacy, to carry on the seed. Uh, you know, you see it in nature with, uh, um, with, uh, with different animals and species. They have to carry on. The seed has to go on in order for the species to continue to survive. Um, so that's what I wanted to bring out about that. Um, I'm going to go right to the attributes. Can we, uh, so we got attributes right there. Intelligence, wisdom, knowledge. That's the beginning of it. Um, how does this work with marriage, these attributes? So with intelligence, now, when we talk about marriage, what we're going to do, we're going back and forth with how um, we started our relationship with class, with the truth, with um, the knowledge we received in there with Yahshua, how we started that relationship. So we're flipping that with how a man and a woman start a relationship with each other, because this is a physical thing that's showing forth spiritual things. So we first have to start out with intelligence. All of us have to have some kind of intelligence to get to um, receive, to make any sense of any kind of knowledge or any facts um, of what we learn. Um, you can't have any kind of romantic relationship with anybody without any uh, intelligence. Knowledge. So that's a given. The intelligence is pretty much a given. Knowledge. So at the beginning of, you know, we, we talk, this is our first games to find, to help us find and know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. We talk about how knowledge is so important. Um, it's in 17, John 17, 3. Um, it's part of um, having life eternal. But what does it start out with? It usually starts out with the name. It usually starts out with how he exists as a um, threefold, not a trinity, so on and so forth. So in the same way, when we start a relationship with someone, we find out what their name is. We find out some things about them that are important to us, you know, where they live, what their occupation is, what their likes and dislikes are, so on and so forth. So, and that kind of just keeps growing. As you keep dating, you learn more and more about each other. And if that person is interesting enough to us, we continue to go on and um, date the person some more and get to know them more. And the same thing with class. And a lot of times when I try to tell a new person, give us three tries, come back three tries before you give up on us, before you decide. Um, there's a lot to know. And we should do the same thing when we um, date somebody. We should make sure we don't give up on them till we know them better. And uh, that kind of thing. So you're just flipping this back and forth. What's wisdom? Wisdom is applying that knowledge to certain things without someone having to tell us. So like in class, we learn about blood, water, spirit. So then now we can apply that to different things different events in the Bible, even events um, in the world. We can apply death, burial, resurrection, blood, water, spirit to these things. That's wisdom. We learned it in class. Now we can apply it. It's the same thing with a marriage. If you know the other person don't like loud noises, well, you're not going to make a date to have them, you know, sit in the front seat of a concert. <laughs> That's using your wisdom. It's important to use wisdom when you're with the other person in many different respects. Because otherwise, the other person's like, I thought you should know this. 
come on. So, you know, if we want to enhance that relationship, um, we have to apply the wisdom in that relationship. And, um, and it gets deeper than that because a lot of these things just, they all join together. And it's not like one thing follows the other, follows the other, follows the other. Because the next one is um, beauty. And beauty can come right away. Oh, that's why you went and talked to that person, you know, because of their um, beauty, because they're beautiful. Okay, they're beautiful, beauty on the, there's beauty on the outside. So you go ahead and you start talking to that person, then you get to know. <clears throat> and the same thing with class. A lot of people will come in and believe that or think that class is a, a beautiful thing in, in, in some aspects because of the way it's conducted. But um, when you think about beauty, uh, that can be, you know, when you line that up with the pattern, beauty actually does line up with, it doesn't there in that particular case. Um, but if you put beauty, love, and justice in the holy place, beauty would line up with the altar of incense. And the altar of incense is, um, is as Yahshua um, interceding for us. And by doing that, and it also lines up with uh, um, the respiratory system. And the respiratory system does what? It breathes in oxygen. And that oxygen that is outside of the body, it, it, so it, it, it intercedes for us because that oxygen that's outside of the body can't get inside of the body uh, unless you have an intercessor. So the same thing with Yahshua. You cannot receive that spirit, that life-giving spirit, unless he intercedes for us and gives it to us. And that oxygen is atomic eight, eight represents eternal. So he makes our soul eternal with him. And it also represents a newness, a renew, um, being renewed in the spirit. Um, that's why they're circumcised on the eighth day. The eighth day is the first day of a new week. So it's a new week. And it's also representing that they, a baby being circumcised on the eighth day, represents that it's new to him what's new he's now a new jew right he's now circumcised he also was given the name at that time yashua was out was um um all of him is with us right um emmanuel until he was circumcised when then he was announced that his name was yashua so that's how it is with all babies so you have that newness there so that inspiration, which that inhaling, if you look up inhale, it also equals inspire or inspiration. So that is very important to understand how all this works because when you're with somebody, you need that person to be inspiration to you. There needs to be someone who can help you through things to give you a renewness. You come home from a hard day's work um you need someone to inspire you to hey you know tomorrow's a new day next week is a new week um it gives you a breath of life uh, a breath a breath of fresh air 
is what the other person should be doing for you. See what I'm saying? And um, that's what you know, Yashua does for us. And every time we focus on Yashua and one more, our, we are down and about. We look to him to give us a refreshment. Uh, yes. And to a breath of fresh air, in other words. So I hope this all makes sense with the comes beauty and having beauty in your um, life, in your marriage. It, it, it's more than just a surfacey thing. It's something inwardly uh, that's intimate that we do for each other when we're you know, either down and about or down and about or down uh, when we're down or even when we just have goals that we want to attain to, we try to inspire each other to attain those things. All right. Um, I can say more about that, but we got to move on. So now we have love, right? Love, of course, so many things that we talked about love. And I already did talk about love so much and love of the brethren. So I don't want to get into it too much. But it, we know that that's what connects everything together. It's a, it's, it's, it's a glue that keeps everything together. And um, if, if you want to... Um, uh, if, if, if you want to manifest beauty more, you need to focus on the love that you have. If you want to um, focus on knowledge, or wisdom, or any of these other ones, you have to um, remember the love, the attribute of love within you. It's more than an emotion. It's loving that person because of who that person is. So that's why we you know, love of the brethren is because we know that real person inside of him is a soul that wants to be nourished and needs to be nourished or has the same nourishment that we have. And we know that that nourishment comes from Yahshua, comes from the husband. So in a sense, we got to see the husband within other members of the bride. So when we see our physical spouse, we have to, you know, he even said, if, you, if you're going to take care of yourself, if you love yourself, you should love your, your bride, you know, so if you're not, why not, why, why would you not take care of your bride? It, because you would take care of yourself. You, if you see yourself in that other person in one way, if you see that oneness in that person, um, and you can just and I talked about it before, it's brush your own needs away and when when they have a need and and, and to um, go after that need and help that person. And um, that that's when you know you have loved that person. And I can keep going on and on about that too. I I know um, I'm this isn't going to go real smooth because I know I'm short on time, but I want to get through these. So the next one is, okay, I got a five minute bill. The other, next one is um, justice. So really simply, um, what, what's justice? Justice, if you read about what justice is in the third volume of the textbook and how it reflects the, the system that divides the, 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 the poison or the, the waste products from the good, good things. So what does that mean? When you get up on that altar and you're with that person, you got to make a commitment. What you're doing is you're justifying that you are not going to go after anybody else. You're not going to, you have any intention to, to want anybody else with that person that's in front of you. 
Uh, so you're justifying that. You're, the justice is separating all everybody else from that person. Just like he said, you have, you have to uh, take on the, not the image of the world, but the image of Yahshua. I'm not sure if I'm saying the right words, but you got to separate yourself from the desires of the flesh or the, the worldly things for spiritual things. So you have that justice there in that respect. So it's only, you know, it's about Yahshua. Um, foundation, power and strength, really quickly, all together for a reason, because now what you have is something that uh, shows that you have all these other attributes and that they are ingrained in you. Because when bad things come along and tough things come around and those attributes don't show, then there was never a foundation or a power or a strength. There's nothing that, that was not there. And as it says in the third volume of the textbook, the foundation and power and strength of Yahweh manifested with Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection when he had to come down into a uh, physical body and be tortured as he was beyond any uh, anybody's ability to be um, tortured like that. And he did that and then resurrected a, and, and overcame the grave and overcame death. That's showing forth that that was always in Yahweh in pure spirit and that the attributes are absolutely true what he has. And that's all I can say is what holds that marriage together, that if those attributes are actually there, they're not surfacy, they are ingrained. Now you know you have foundation, power, and strength because we've seen members of the class getting swept away from um, you know, false doctrine because yes, they were showing forth those attributes, but they did not have their foundation. They were not, it was like a house. Think of a beautiful house built on sand. You know, it's beautiful, nice to live in, but then it just gets swept away because it's not built on a foundation. And that, of course, is from Yahshua too, that he, he talked about that. So um, that's really quickly all I can say about that. I'm sorry I rushed through a lot of this. Uh, and sometimes you just don't know how quick two hours can go, but um, I'm sure there's more that can be talked about with marriage, um, but I hope everybody got something out of something that I said, even though some of it might have been confusing, but you know, if anybody is on Zoom and they got questions for me, I'll be on. Um, other than that, you know, if you're watching it on Zoom, you can put questions in there as well. But um, thank you so much. And I um, uh, hope you got something out of it. Thank you for your attention and for inviting me on here. And please, all uh, praises to Yahshua the Messiah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Dr. Myers. And I think um, someone put it in the chat. I, I was caught up and captivated by this entire lecture. It, it was one of the best examples of a physical marriage being representation of our spiritual marriage to Yahshua that I have heard. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I really, really appreciate it. It wasn't rushed. You took your time. Your tone was even. And it really 
caught me up. And I, I am so grateful to Yahweh that he, he put it on your heart to pick this topic out of that book. Absolutely. To do it. Yeah, it was it was absolutely beautiful. I'm definitely yeah. going to read through it again. Mm -hmm. um, because we can tell you presented it with love. <laughs> that is what I was thinking the whole time you were talking. I'm like, Yahweh does love me because he's showing me himself through this mm -hmm. lecture. Mm -hmm. So I, Dr. Dr. Meyer, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much. Um, we have about five minutes left. Does anyone have any comment or question for, for Dr. Meyer be Myers before we end our class? As I, I stated uh, in the chat, it was simply beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I am just always amazed at how Yahshua has brought these points out so eloquently. He, through the spirit, he allows us to understand. He was taking something natural. We think from a natural standpoint, that marriage, but the reflection of that spiritual marriage is really and truthfully the reality. And that I thought it was just beautifully, beautifully done. I, I loved it, loved it. Really appreciate everybody's comments. Joshua, um, been working with me with this um, for a while. Um, and uh, I, I, I've had marriage in my mind uh, for a while, even before this. And, uh, so I'm just glad that um, it was an opportunity for this. Thank you. We're grateful to Yashua that he allowed you to share it with us. Um, okay, so this, mm -hmm, go ahead. Yes, um, I understand that we're always looking at the principles, the principles of the marriage and principles of death, prayer, resurrection that goes on at overturns and overturns. But um, can someone explain, I had a question, can someone explain what it means by when he says, I think he said in a textbook or scripture, it says when he pick up your cross and follow me, what does it mean refers to by pick up your cross? What is it referring to? Anyone want to take that? We have about three minutes left. Or we can bring it up in another uh, class. Yeah, it is a little bit confusing because uh, he does say his burden is life, right? So what does it mean to pick up a cross? Right? Yeah, so yeah, what is it His burden is, is easy. But it's not easy to see that it's easy. The difficult yeah, part okay. is going from uh, your normal way of life and taking on this way of life, which is a different way of life. Uh, there might be other takes on this, but it's not easy to accept this teaching because the world is so against it. And remember the apostles. They did have to bear a cross preaching this gospel. Uh, it really manifested there at the beginning of the age and how persecuted they were. So um, I guess I would have to say it in that respect because he also says, can you drink out of the cup that I drank out of? Can you bear this cup? So it, basically that's what it means. But the burden is light. Once you accept that, because there is no more religious domination over us anymore. We're free from that. We're free from physical uh, uh, ordinances and that kind of thing. We're free from guilt. Uh, just real quick, read, um, can you read Romans 8 and 1 real quick, please? That's Romans 8 and 1. 
There is therefore now no condemnation in them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Go on. Um, for the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah has made us free from the law of sin and death. Law, see, we're free from that law of sin and death. And that is a burden taken off from us. I hope that makes some sense. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Myers. And uh, that does conclude our lecture. Um, once again, we restarted our green chart Thursdays. So Dr. Meyer took um, our first one. Because we're also doing the textbook now, our green chart Thursdays will be the first Thursday of every month. So our next one will be the 6th of October. And I think we'll have another special guest, but I'll speak with that person afterwards to see if they want to take up that day. And we want to once again thank you all for coming out to study with us. We always are happy when our brethren come and visit and study with us. We do hold our classes here on Zoom, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays from 11.30 to 1.30 p.m. We, Dr. Nelson, correct me if I'm wrong, we will be having in-person class this Sunday? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And check your emails. Dr. Nelson always sends an email and make sure you look at the location for that yes. session, which will begin at 11 a.m. And the email has already been sent down. Oh, awesome. It'll be at Courtyard Marriott. Okay. The email is there in your inbox. Thank you, Dr. Nelson. Mm -hmm. And now let us all stand in our hearts and minds to give reverence unto our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, through the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and forever. Let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.